All right. Well, good morning. We are glad you're here, and uh, what an awesome, awesome, amazing story that Wyatt has shared with us. Thank you, Wyatt. We appreciate and love you so much. Uh, we, you, you've come here today, and this is going to be an abbreviated sermon from what normally I preach, uh, but, it, but we're still going to do this sermon today. Uh, the, um, um, we've fallen in between two series. We just finished up Cringe, which was Hard Sayings of Jesus. That was finished last week. Next week, we start uh, a series on the book of Romans, and we're going to do that in 16 weeks, one chapter per week, so I'm encouraging you to read Romans chapter 1 this week. What, what are you going to read this week? All right, great. And out in the foyer, there's some books. Uh, there's a little study guide by N.T. Wright, and those are $5. If you want to get one, they're on that, that, on that, uh, in, that bookshelf. Yep, that's what they're on right out there. And, and I'm not going to exactly follow that, but those, that would help you in your study. It would just be a supplement. And so we're going to start that next week. And uh, so this week, we, we study Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And uh, let me just tell you this real fast story. You guys all know, uh, most of you know, um, Mr. Capone, Al, from Chicago, was not a very nice man. Organized crime, uh, prostitution, uh, gambling, all kinds of illegal things in Chicago. And how did he do that? Well, he did it with the help of this guy right here, his lawyer. And his name was Easy Eddie. And Easy Eddie was uh, also, in his own right, a very bad person, did lots of horrible things in his life. But when, when, when the police began to squeeze down on, on the mob... Uh, Easy Eddie decided to, uh, to testify against the mob, and he knew it would probably cost him his life. Uh, he, di- he told the police the reason he was doing it was because he loved his son so much. He had a little boy, and he wanted his son to know what a good dad was, and he, he hadn't been that. And he wanted, to, he wanted to show his son, this is what it means. This is how you live the right way. And so he testified against the mob, and within a year... Easy Eddie was dead. He was dead. And he told the police he only hoped that his sacrifice, that his sacrifice, whatever it cost him, would make a difference in his child's life. And all of us parents understand that, don't we? I mean, we make sacrifices for our children, and we're not necessarily testifying against the mob, but the things we're doing every day, giving our life away, yeah, we're hoping this is going to make a difference in our children or our grandchildren or the kids around us in their lives. And so, we're going to read our scripture today from Ephesians chapter 6, uh, Ephesians 6, verse 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, I could stand up here and I could say to all of you children and teenagers that are left in the room, I could tell you, you need to obey your parents. And that would be okay because... I had to obey my parents when I lived at home. That was a long time ago. It was a really long time ago. I still try to honor my parents, even though I don't live with them anymore. But I thought it might be even more powerful for you if you were to hear about obeying your parents from somebody who's actually having to do that right now. And so today, I'm going to share this uh, stage here with uh, one of my favorite people in the entire world. He, you're not supposed to play favorites as a preacher? Too bad. He's one of my favorites. And it's my son, Josh Duncan. I'd like for you guys to give him a huge gateway welcome. Um, I actually want to start off with um, thanking Mike for what he said. That, that was really cool. I, that, that sort of touched me. So 
Um, uh, I wanted to go back and read the first uh, verse in the scripture that my dad read. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Um, this, is, this is a very hard scripture for me just because, I mean, it's not only is it just hard for me personally, but it's in today's culture to rebel and not obey your parents. And um, I think, I, I don't, I'm positive it's not just for me. I know it's for all, all the other teens just to, it's, it's hard to obey your parents. And, but um, it's, what, it, it's what God tells us to do. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's right and we need to do that. Um, I have a funny story from a, a few years ago. Um, me, my dad, and my sister, we went to El Paso to pick up my uncle in an airport. And um, so we got there, and we picked him up, and we were in the car, and everything was going good, and we were laughing and stuff. And about 30 minutes into the drive, someone, someone looked up at the little gauge in my car that tells us which direction we're going. And I mind you that we were in El Paso, so, um, but the, the gauge said that we were going east. And I mean, if you're on, if you're in El Paso, I mean, you don't want to go east to get back to Riodoso, obviously. And so we asked my dad, "Why are we going east?" And um, I mean, of course, he made up some way, like to um, explain why we were going the wrong way. So, <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for, thanks for telling that story, Josh. I you're really welcome. Appreciate you're that. welcome. <laughs> but um, when God tells us to obey our parents. And they mess up like that? I mean, how should how could he expect <laughs> us to, to obey our parents? You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, I know that God loves me, and he tells me to obey my parents, so, I mean, it must be good. But um, let's look at the second verse in this chapter. Honor your father and, um, and your mother. And so in the, um, in the, in the, first, in the first verse, uh, the word obey... It means to stand under or put yourself under the authority of your parents. And it's, it's, also, it's also a way of saying an action. Like if my parents to tell me to take out the trash, I, I can do that and that will be obeying them because that's the action that needs to be done. I take it all the way from our trash can, all the way to the dumpster. That's the action that needs to be done. And in the second verse, the word honor, it's with, it means the attitude that you have when you do it. So, I mean, they can ask me. I can be sitting on the couch playing my video games. They'll ask me, Josh, go take out the trash. Oh, fine. Get up and go get the trash. Get it. Bring it over. Slam the door. Throw it over there. Uh, Someone will pick it up. Then come back in, slam the door, and then come and sit back down. Is that what you've been doing? I thought a bear was in the neighborhood. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, of course, that's an exaggeration. And, but I mean, God helps me to do both of those things, obey the action and honor the attitude. But I mean, look around, there's, there's, some, there's some teens and children who don't obey their parents at all. I mean, they don't, they don't respect their, their teachers, their coaches. And I'm afraid, this is my opinion on this, if they don't respect um, their earthly authorities, how are they going to respect the, the eternal authority, God? So, I mean, that, I think that's a very, very important uh, few verses right there. So, Next verse, one more verse. Verse, oh. right here. <laughs> verse three, the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. That, that verse, I think it's very special to me just because, I mean, God does ask us to do something. And it can be hard at times, but he promises things. He promises us things that 
that are good. And not only does he promise us an eternal life in heaven, if we do what he asks, if we do what he asks us to do, we will get good things here too, not only in heaven. Man, I really appreciate what Josh is saying about how difficult it can be to obey our parents. And all of us remember when we were teenagers, it is a difficult thing to do. It's, it's not easy to do. But I'll tell you this, verse 4 is not easy either. I can remember times in, in my life pulling up after an exhausting day and I'm tired and the best thing I think would be to go plop down on the couch and turn on the TV and just relax. And I walk in and maybe there's chaos going on. There's, you know, the kids are, uh, you know, being disobedient or talking back or not doing what they're supposed to. And honestly, Josh and Raina don't really act that way very often anymore. But when they were little, we had to deal with that a lot. And, and that, can, that can be really hard to keep your emotions in check to not exasperate your children. And I'll tell you one thing I've learned that's helped me through the years, and I don't do it every day when I go home, but there's a lot of days when I pull up in the driveway, especially when I'm tired, and I just take 30 seconds to pray, God help me. I love these three people more than anybody else in the world. So would you please help me to have wisdom and courage and patience when I walk through these doors. Help me to be the best husband and dad I can be. And he's faithful. He does help us. But he gives us this verse, don't exasperate your children. Now, there's a couple of temptations. There's a couple of temptations that parents, that we have. The first one is to be too harsh. I'm the boss. Do what I say. Shut up. Go to your room. Be quiet. Don't ask questions because I said so. And we just infuriate and, and frustrate our children by not giving them any respect as, an, as a human being, by not ever listening to them or, or, or giving them, letting them have some free choice. They've got to have consequences too, but God gives us free choice. So that's one, that's one temptation. The other temptation we have is this, to be too easy on our kids. I want to be their friend. I want to be cool. You know, hey, what's going on, bro? <laughs> your, your, your kids don't need another friend. They need a parent. That's what they need. And that's disrespecting our kids too when we try to be their friend. So either way is going to exasperate. So God tells us this, instead bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In the training of the Lord. Bring them up to follow the Lord. How do we do that? Well, uh, it was read this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, this verse right here. And the first thing at Deuteronomy, really, that we need to make sure that we remember is this. He says, I want you to have these commands on your heart. It starts with our faith. Teens can sniff out phony faith faster than anything. When we say one thing and act a different way. When we say this is important, but we show that it's not, they can, they can so quickly smell that. So let them see us reading the word at home. Let them hear us praying. Let them see that when we're struggling with a problem, what, what do we do? We turn to the Lord. They see that our faith is authentic. Let them see us treating other people, our enemies, with love. Our faith has to be authentic. That's the first thing. And then he says, talk about these things. It doesn't have to be an extra night of the week or something that's odd or different than what you would normally do. Just as you go through your life, talk about these things in the normal, everyday routine. I'll never forget one time, Amy and I were riding with our kids in the car. Our kids were very young. We were riding with another family, and they had teenagers. And one of the teenagers said, Mom, there goes an ambulance. And the mom said, Oh, we should pray. We should pray for them. I mean, I, I thought, well, who are they talking about? I, we don't even know that person. And the dad said, you're right. And the dad pulled over into a parking lot and put it in park. And he said a prayer for whoever that was that they were going to get in the ambulance. And I thought, you know what? That's really weird. That's what I thought. But I thought, this is great. They're just incorporating the Lord into everyday 
life. And, and I don't pull over and pray whenever ambulances go by, but it did impact me. And we try to do that. We try to just do it in our normal life. How can we bring the Lord into it? And, and he gives us these specific ways. He says the first thing is this. He says, when you sit at home. One of the places we sit is at our table. Hopefully you eat together with your family. And sometimes we don't always do this, but sometimes we read a verse of the Bible because we want to eat spiritually before we eat physically. Sometimes we've written down our favorite verses and put them in a bowl in the middle of the table. Everybody in the whole family writes them down, and then we just pull one out, and we unfold it and read it, and we talk about it. Another thing we do sometimes in our family, and, and I want you to understand, sometimes our family, we sit around and watch Jeopardy, okay? I don't want you to get the idea like it's like, oh, like some amazing light shining down on the Duncan house. It's not. It's just a regular place. But these are a few things we try to do sometimes. Sometimes we do good thing, bad thing. What's the best thing that happened in your day and the worst thing? And then as we talk about those, we'll try to pray for each other. We'll try, to, we'll try to spend a little bit of time working through how can God help us with that. When you sit down together and when you walk on the road, most of us don't walk on the road, but we drive. So when we're in the car, instead of just giving the kids a DVD and be quiet, what if we, what if we listen to some Christian music? What if we ask a question about their life? What if we share one of our own stories? It's a great place for faith to be developed in our families, in the car while we're going. And then he says, when you, what's the next one? When you lie down. Man, especially when kids are little. We don't do this really now. Our kids are older. Maybe we should. But when they were little, especially, we went. They don't want to go to sleep. So you go to their bed, and they're like, great, Dad's here. I didn't want to go to sleep anyways. And so what are we going to do? Well, let's pray together. Let's say a blessing over you. Let's read a Bible story. It's a great place to develop faith. And then when you get up, he says, when you rise up. What about breakfast? What about just a place to read or talk a little bit about your day? What can I pray for you about today? Maybe you say, our schedules don't match. I don't have any time at breakfast. Well, jot them a note. Take your time at your breakfast. Jot them a note and drop it in their lunch or drop it in their pocket of their coat or put it on the mirror. These are all just ideas that people have given us, and we haven't done them perfectly. We haven't done them perfectly, and that's okay. As long as we try to obey the scripture, God is the one who's faithful. He's the one who's building these children he will be faithful to finish i think um as teens i think we all look forward to the time when when we go out on our own and of course these things these things that my dad are talking about i mean they're good but all teens really do look forward to when we go out on our own i mean really who could blame us yeah. i mean look at the pictures you make us take come on <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> really <laughs> But um, I'm, I'm talking to the teens specifically, <laughs> sorry, talking to the teens specifically here for a second. I mean, I would strongly encourage you don't take the time you have here for granted. Because when you get into the season of life, when you go out on your own, you won't have what you have here. Like, when, if you have a bad day, your parents aren't going to be there to come and talk to you about it. And at times it can be really hard to obey your parents but um, I've come up with four suggestions here uh, that I think are very, um, very good uh, ways to help you obey your parents. The first one for me is uh, to listen. And for me, this one is both very uh, easy and hard at the same time because a lot of you know I don't, um, I'm not very good at paying attention. I get distracted very easily. <laughs> but um, it really is uh, really simple because um, if you would actually take the time to listen to your parents and hear what they have to say, you'd be amazed at the wisdom that they have and that they want to give you. And I mean, not just, not just listening with your ears, but at the same time watching your body language or watching their body language because they might have had a bad day at work or 
um, they might have gotten in an argument with a coworker. And so uh, something that you say could really easily just sort of set off a bomb for them. But listening, I think, is a, <laughs> listening is a good way, I think, for me. And um, the second one is to show respect. Um, respect is a very, very important way just because, I mean, it really can impact you as you go throughout your life. As, um, as in your high school years, it helps you to uh, respect your coaches. And then when you get into, um, when, when you get to be a little bit older, it helps you to know how to uh, respect your boss, even if it can be hard sometimes. Um, <laughs> but um, going back to the taking out the traf- trash reference, um, I can do that how I said, but if they tell me to do it and I'm, I sit there and I just keep playing and I say, okay, I'll do it in a little bit, that's not respecting them because I'm not obeying them. When, when, I, when they ask me to do something, I need to put down what I'm doing and go and do it. That's showing them that, that I have respect for them. So that, that's what um, I, I came up with for um, having respect. The third one is having patience. Um, this one, it's, it's a little bit hard to explain, but the way I came up with is if you had a really bad day at school and you just need to come home and you need to vent to one of your parents, um, it, and you're, you're, you're just talking with them, and then they get a phone call that they need to take from work, um, and they just tell you, hey, I got to take this. One way to have patience with them is just saying, okay, um, just talk to me when you're done. That, that's showing them that you have patience with them. And the fourth one is having communication. I'm also not very good with communication. I'm not a very good communicator, and a lot of you know that. Um, But uh, it really is simple. Like, if you're not going to make curfew, just texting them, telling them, hey, I might be a few minutes late for for curfew. Or if you're going to go and hang out with a few of your friends, calling them and telling them, hey, uh, I'm I'm right here right now. I'm going to go and hang out with um, my friends for a little bit here. Or or you could text and ask if you could do those things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I'm just, just saying, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, but really, the simplicity of a text message can ha- can show um, an enormous amount of responsibility, and it also shows that when you get out to be on your own, that you'll have the responsibility that you need to do that. So um, those are the four ways that I came up with. Yeah, man, that's great, Josh. That's great. Thank you. And those, and you know what? Yeah, give him a hand. That's awesome. Thank you. And and I got to tell you, the goal, the goal for Amy and I is what Josh just said: for him to be responsible, to to be uh, self-disciplined, and and for he and Raina to leave our home and to be responsible adults out in the community. That's our our goal. But not only for them to have, uh, you know, to be to be responsible in that way. We want them to leave our home. And we want them to have their very own faith. We don't want them to just have what we've believed all our life and what we've passed down to them. We want them to grow beyond where we are. Amy and I have plenty of room to grow. You guys know us. You know we have plenty of room to grow. We want our kids to grow further than we have, which means they're going to be different from us. They won't be the same as us. And that's good. We're thankful for that. And so that's the goal. That's what we're hoping and, and praying for. And I want to just share one last, I'm going to share one last thing with you before Josh finishes this up. And it's this book right here. And it's also, oh, I got the wrong one. There it is right there. It's this book right here. It's actually in the foyer right there. And it's a book called First Hand. And it was written by these two brothers who grew up in a Christian home. And this is what they were told. Uh, they, they were given faith from their parents, all right? And when they left home, 
it wasn't their own faith. And you know what they did? They fell away. They fell away. And this book, firsthand, is a great book that shows how can we, how can we have our own faith? So I think it's a great book for teens and parents, but I'll tell you this, there's some people sitting probably in this room who might be 30, 40, 50, 60 years old who the faith you have is your parents' faith. This is a great book for you to read, to dig in and say, I want to have firsthand faith. Not faith that was just handed to me. I want to have the faith by digging into the Word and having faith in God myself. So, I would strongly recommend this book. I think it would really be helpful. Yeah, I've heard you talk about that book a lot. It sounds, it sounds uh, like a great book. But um, on the note of faith, I think that my faith is definitely growing because, of course, it was handed down to me from my parents. But as I'm getting older, I can definitely start to see that I have my own opinions about things. And I have my own faith about, about God and about the things in the Bible. Um, but uh, my dad said earlier that you hope that your, uh, all you parents, you hope that your sacrifice is making a difference in your, in your, in your kids' lives. Uh, let me tell you the story really fast. Um, in World War II, it, that, that war, it made a lot of heroes in people. And one of those was Commander Butch O'Hare. He was, a, he was a fighter pilot assigned to an uh, airplane in the South Pacific on one of the aircraft carriers. And on one of their missions, they, they, they took off, and they had been flying for about 30 minutes. And uh, he, he looked down at his gas gauge, and um, it said it, it, was, it was really low. And so he called in, and they said, no, you don't have enough gas for the rest of the mission. So he turned around, and the rest of the planes went on to finish that mission. And on his way back, he, the, the, the fleet of ships was in sight, and he saw in the distance, distance that there was a, a squadron of Japanese fighter pilots coming towards the ship because the, the ships were basically defenseless because the rest of the planes had gone. And so he, he started shooting the, all those planes by himself, and um, uh, I don't know if he had taken any down like that, but after his ammo had run out, he'd started flying the plane itself at the, at the other planes, trying to clip their wings. And um, so after a while of the Japanese uh, airplanes trying to follow, like, follow him and shoot him down, um, they, they just said, let's, let's get away from this American. He's, he's crazy. <laughs> so um, when he landed, they checked the, the film on his plane that was recording while he was flying, and it showed that he had taken down five enemy aircrafts. And at that time, there weren't many people who, or there weren't many pilots who had done that. And so he was, uh, he was the first naval ace of World War II, and he was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. And um, a year later, he had died in battle, and so uh, his hometown... Um, they didn't want to forget the sacrifice he made for them, and so they named their airport after after him. It's uh, O'Hare Airport in Chicago. And so, um, I mean, to have that much courage, he must have had amazing parents. I mean, because when you grow up, you see the examples that your your parents set for you, and that's basically the way. Well, not exactly, but the way that you you live your life. And you have their their courage and their bravery. Well, actually, no. You you talked about his dad earlier. It's mm -hmm. Easy Eddie, the the lawyer of Al Capone. I mean, I think that's awesome. The sacrifice he made for his son, because he wanted him to see that he really did 
stand for what was right, and he wanted his son to have a good life. That reminds me about how God sent Jesus down so we could, um, when we die, we can go and live with him up in heaven. And like I said earlier, if you parents wonder if your sacrifice is making a difference in our lives, believe me, it is. It's making a very, very big difference. So if you would like to begin your own faith today, I want to invite you, just come back to God. Give your life to him. If you'd want to be baptized, we'll baptize you here today. So I want to invite you as we stand and sing. <laughs> my life's in you, my strength's in you, my hope.